Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Hi guys and welcome to this bonus episode. I spoke to episode 9's guest Sue Hills, who's a script supervisor, and asked her a few more questions about her work in the industry. Hi Sue. Hello Poonam. Uh, thank you for coming back for uh, another interrogation. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so for anyone that hasn't listened to Sue's episode, which is episode 9, Sue is a script supervisor and we're just doing a little bonus episode to talk a little bit more about the other elements of her job, which we didn't go into in her episode. Um, um, but I'll just start, in case you haven't listened to her episode, just if Sue, you could just briefly explain what your job as a script supervisor involves. Well, very briefly. Sometimes it's called a continuity which basically means making sure that every shot matches, so that when the editor gets the material, it will cut together. I'm sure you've all seen continuity errors on the screen, and it's my job to stop them happening. Plus, make sure that words are all said correctly, and quite a few other things as well. But that, that's essentially the job. Ah, thank you. And again, like, if anyone wants to know more about what Sue does, then go back and listen to episode nine. Okay, so I'm going to be referring back to a few things you may have mentioned in the previous episode. So you did say that you, in your note-taking process and things, that's another part of what you have to remember. The number of cameras that are involved, the what lens they've used, and loads of other technical details, I'm sure. What has been the most number of cameras you've had to take notes on, and why has there been so many, if there were so many? Um, well, that would definitely be the film Rush which was oh. about Formula One racing. It was the basically about the, the rivalry between James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. And the record for the number of cameras on one setup was 18. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and that was because they had some very tiny, tiny cameras, little sort of gun cameras, they're called, um, mm. or GoPros, sometimes call them GoPros. And they were literally fixed to the cars. So you had cameras on the cars, you had them on the drivers. And in one case, we had one up a tree um, (laughs) to get a good good view of the track. So on that day, my brain nearly exploded because it literally was 18 cameras all running at once. And I had to try and get the details for all of them. I'm not sure I did get all of them, but um, that's the worst. (laughs) How do you begin with that, though? Well, I, I did a lot of running around um, because the point is you, the editor is relying on me to give them the details of everything that's being shot. So mm-hmm. I tried to give the editor details of all 18 cameras so that they knew what material they were going to get and also which uh, camera was on which car, if you see what I mean. Yeah. If the editor's not there to know that sort of detail, so I have to give it to them. That's the difficult bit, because getting to all 18 cameras before they shouted action. Oh, gosh, that sounds stressful. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't envy you. <laughs> Not that one, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing I was thinking about, and I think I was recently watching this, which is um, probably one of my favourite to watch recommendations, which is the 1995 um, Pride and Prejudice featuring Colin Firth and Jennifer Hill. Anyway, that's an aside. But there's a scene in that where character of Lizzie is reading a letter from Mr Darcy but it's him doing the voice over for it 
whilst mm-hmm. she sort of then reacts to bits that she's reading out loud. Has there been a situation like that on jobs you've been on? And then what happens? Because obviously, naturally, sometimes I'm assuming there won't be the actual actor's voice doing a voiceover in that moment for whatever reason it may be. That Yes, that's true. That does happen quite a lot. And usually it ends up being me because <laughs> you unless you're very lucky you wouldn't necessarily have the actor involved on set that day so if they're not called in then obviously they're not going to be available to read the voiceover so often a director will ask me to do it just so that you get the you might need a certain time if it was a track that has to start at the beginning of the voiceover and end at the end of the voiceover so I would read it read it in so that the cameraman can hear it for the timing, so that the actor can respond to what's happening in the voiceover. And to be honest, it, it, it can be quite tricky because you obviously have to be near enough for the actors to hear you, but not in the shot. Uh-huh. Um, so I have on a couple of occasions been in a wardrobe <laughs> while I was reading. And <laughs> on one definite one occasion, I was definitely in a fireplace. Oh, wow. But you have to be reasonably near. You can't be shouting from outside the door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that that was quite funny, but it did work in the end. That's good to know. And I guess it requires literal flexibility as well to be getting into places like wardrobes and fireplaces. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that the same with um, telephone conversations then on set as well? Because that's another thing I think I've definitely thought, I'm assuming other people have thought it is when someone answers a phone, who is on the other end of the line? (laughs) Well, once again, it's the same thing. If you're lucky enough to be on a day when when both actors are called on set you could have the the actor who's at the other end of the conversation actually reading in his or her own lines but nine times out of ten they're not called in on that day Mm. so once again it's me (laughs) who usually reads in the lines on the other end of the telephone conversation so you have to be careful because you mustn't overlap their voice with your own voice just make sure it's very clean your lines are completely clean of the lines that they're saying otherwise you'd end up with my voice in the film which is not what you want have you ever considered a voice acting career though on a side note uh no (laughs) (laughs) no i don't have any talents in that direction at all you never know though do you may have you ever actually made it into like accidentally into into a movie not with my voice i have on many occasions bits of my body have appeared in films after it'd been people's hands I was um, an actress's knees one day (laughs) uh, the back of somebody's head yeah I've sort of been roped in to do all sorts of things oh wow you're um, you have many talents then Stu (laughs) well um I think we've briefly touched on this in a previous actually I'm someone you know as well Lucy in episode 14 she spoke about um, the different types of scripts that you get and there's multiple there's color changes that are involved um, with the change in the script now I would like to know more about it I think other people may be interested in this too so could you please also explain that whole like script process actually so there are an awful lot of changes that happen between a script being written and it being filmed Um, And in the early stages, you find that the any script changes are dealt with between the writer, the director and the possibly the producer. 
So it's a it's a sort of a tight group of people who will work on the script. But in the later stages of production, the whole crew needs to have a script. So you get to a point, usually, if you're lucky, two weeks before you start shooting, okay. when you have what's called a shooting script, which is locked. So the page numbers stay the same, the scene numbers stay the same, and it's sent out to the whole crew as the shooting script. But, of course, then more changes happen after that point, which means that everybody has to know what those changes are. So the system that's been built up over years and years and years is, it's always referred to as pink pages, because you always start with the colour pink. But what it means is rather than sending out an entire new script to everybody with all the changes in it, they just send out the pages that have changed, but they send them out on a colour so that when you get the new pages, you slip them into your new, in, into your script and then you can see where the changes are because they're a different colour. Mm. And then after the pink pages, I think it's either blue or green, I can't remember. So then you have another batch of changes which be on a different colour and then it goes on and on and on. But it just means that if you've got purple pages, you know that you have got the most recent set of changes and that you're up to date if that makes sense yes that does make sense I'm assuming they go some on some productions they may go through the whole rainbow uh, yes <laughs> absolutely I think I mean I have had I've had lilac um peach <laughs> all sorts of colors but you do eventually come to the end and then if it's if there are m- multiple changes they go back to the beginning and start again on pink oh wow that could get I'm could does it get confusing it can get a bit confusing um, if they come thick and fast. Mm. You know, if you, if you get, say, one batch of script changes in a week, that you can cope with that. But if you're getting them literally several times a day, then that gets very difficult to keep up with. And I have had scripts which started off as white and ended up all the colours of the rainbow with no white left at all. <laughs> In that situation, obviously, you then have to, I mean, every department who's issued, been, gets issued a script, what most people get, would get issued a script, they then have to obviously filter through. Some of it will be applicable to them, some of it won't be applicable to them. But for you, I guess, it's all something you have to go through in, in, in its entirety. In that yeah. case, what kind of changes are you sort of picking up on or noting down or making yourself aware of? Well, it was because I think I mentioned in the first chat that we had that I have to produce a story breakdown, yeah. which has the number of people in a scene, um, the time of day, whether it's day or night, the time of the year, the location, and any other relevant information. So every time there's a script change, I have to incorporate those changes into my story breakdown. And then I send that out so that everyone's got that as well. Um, and I'm sure you know, yeah. in the costume department, that if you suddenly have a scene that was at lunchtime, and then changes to being dinner time, and it's a period piece, mm. people would be wearing different costumes. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't pick up on that, and you end up on set with them dressed for lunch when they're actually having dinner, that's the thing that could happen. Yeah, mess everything up. Has there been an occasion where there's been a big inconsistency that you've noticed? Y- yes, occasionally you get because the director and the writer are obviously you know they are totally focused on the dialogue the storyline um the performances all that Mm. they might possibly miss something that's you know not obvious but it would show up on screen i'll give you one example i did 
I worked on a film which involved a central character being pregnant. And so before we started shooting, I had to work out a pregnancy timeline so that she was always the right point in her pregnancy for the scene that we were shooting. And bearing in mind all the scenes are shot out of order, you you really have to know, you know, how many months she is in that scene and how many months she's in that scene. Because your department had to provide a choice of three pregnancy bumps. And so they would go by my timeline to decide, oh, she's in the three-month bump or the six-month bump or the nine-month bump. Uh, Okay. I was looking through some major script changes that came in while we were shooting. And when I looked at them really carefully, it looked as if she'd been pregnant for about 14 months, (laughs) um, which literally didn't work at all so no. <laughs> I had to tell someone about that <laughs> she's not an elephant <laughs> exactly uh, so that got changed um I know you mentioned the fireplace and the wardrobe what has been the oddest place you've had to end up um sort of stowing yourself away out of camera sight oh my goodness um that makes me think you've had to do it more than a few times I, I have I have had to do it more than a few times I mean I've had to spend entire scenes under a black blanket oh. um uh, because you know, to stop reflections and things like that. So I've had to do that quite a few times. Can't That's think of anything really great. But uh, yeah, definitely had to hide under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Sue, again for coming on. And thank you for filling us in on a bit more about your job. You're welcome. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the bonus episode chat with Sue. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.